Well, we've um, just read Mark's account of the resurrection of Jesus. Although if you look closely, you'll realize that it doesn't tell us about the resurrection of Jesus. In fact, none of the Gospels tell us what actually happened, what actually went on in that tomb, the moment that Jesus was raised from the dead. It is a mystery that is beyond words. What we are told here is about what happens when the women go to the tomb and when they meet a young man who tells them that Jesus is alive and that the tomb is empty. And what makes, um, what makes Mark, uh, this particular passage, so helpful to us is the fact that in Mark, it's not true in Matthew and in Luke and in John. In Matthew, Luke and John, the women meet Jesus. But in Mark, the women, we're told, well, they don't meet Jesus. We're not told about their meeting with Jesus. So in many ways, they're a bit like us. You know, we hear the message, but we don't see the risen Jesus, at least not yet. And that helps us to identify with this passage. First of all, there is the messenger. The messenger is not described as an angel. The messenger is described as a young man. That's what the women thought he was. They go into the tomb, they see this young man dressed in white and sitting at the right-hand side. That, that actually is a completely useless piece of information. Why do we need to know that? But it's the sort of thing which makes you realize that we're dealing here actually with an eyewitness account. Because no doubt as the women thought back about this incident, their minds must have been in a total blur. I can't remember what, what, what the man looked like. I can't re really remember what was going on. But I know that he was there on the right-hand side and the tomb was here. And I, and I guess it was only later as they reflect on what happened, that they suddenly think, that young man, dressed in white, why was he there? Why did he know? How did he know what he knew? It, it must have been an angel. I, I wonder who your messenger was. That, that's what angel means. Angel means the bringer of good news. Who first told you the word of God? Who first told you about Jesus, about his life, his death, and his resurrection. Was it a grandparent? Never underestimate the power of grandparents. They are the people who kept the faith alive in this country. Maybe it was a parent. Maybe they read Bible stories with you when you were a child. And those of you who have younger children, I do encourage you to do that. Take time each evening to read a Bible story with your child. Tell them of Jesus and pray with them. One of our friends, in fact, one of my former colleagues, um, uh, when I was in Bury St. Edmunds, uh, used to, um, the family, they used to always read not only the Bible reading, a, a short story, but they also read a psalm with their, their, their small children. And that became so much part of their, their life that when Alison on one occasion was babysitting for them, 
little Jemima came up to her and said, Psalm, 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 because <laughs> she was wanting to hear the Psalm being read. I, I try to meet with couples who want to be married here. They're usually from one of the Baptist, Pentecostal, or independent congregations. And, and it's great to hear their stories. Some of them have been brought up in Christian families, but many have told how they had no Christian knowledge. You know, they weren't brought up in a family where they grew up knowing the story and knowing the person who the story is about. And it was a friend who brought them along to church. And they heard the message and they came to believe. Their friend was the angel who told them about the risen Jesus. That actually happens also in our Anglican churches here in Russia. A couple of weeks ago, Alison and myself were at a wedding blessing in St. Petersburg. Ben is a Christian who went with his Indonesian friends to the Anglican congregation. Rumia, his now wife, came from a nominal Muslim background but she wanted to find out more about the Christian faith. So Ben put her in touch with an Indonesian Roman Catholic priest. Uh, some of you, if, if there are people from the Indonesian community here, don't know whether there are this afternoon, but some of you uh, will, have, will know him. And Rumia heard the message of the risen Jesus from them. And she was baptized and confirmed in the Anglican church a year ago. Do you know, I love that story because it's about an Indonesian coming to an Anglican church with his friends, bringing along a nominal Muslim then girlfriend who wanted to find out more about Jesus, who was taught by a Roman Catholic priest and then confirmed in the Anglican church. Amazing. I wonder who God used as a messenger for you and I wonder if maybe God is calling you to be a messenger for someone else to tell them of Jesus. We have the messenger and then we have the evidence. The angel tells the women that Jesus is risen. But of course they need more than that. So the angel shows them the empty tomb. Look, he says, the tomb is empty, the body has gone. And when someone tells us that there was this man, Jesus, who lived 2,000 years ago, who was the Son of God on earth, who died and who was raised from the dead, then of course we need something more. I mean, we're talking about a man rising from the dead. We do need a bit of evidence. We need to know that it is reasonable. What did happen to the body? Did someone take it away? How do we explain the appearances of Jesus and the impact they had on those first Christians' lives? Why were so many of the earliest Christians who said that Jesus had risen from the dead prepared to die for their conviction? Why did the church change the main day of worship from Saturday to Sunday? And I think you'll find that there is evidence for the resurrection. Wolfhard Pannenberg, a German theologian, wrote, the evidence for Jesus' resurrection is so strong that nobody would question it except for two things. 
First, it is a very unusual event. Second, if you believe it happened, you have to change the way you live. In 1930, Frank Morrison set out to write a book disproving the resurrection of Jesus. He did thorough research, and he ended up writing a quite different book. Morrison became so convinced that the evidence did not disprove, but rather prove the resurrection of Jesus, that he became a believer. He, he wrote a book, Who Moved the Stone?, setting out the reasons why he was convinced that Jesus rose from the dead. Of course, there is so much more than scientific evidence, because that in itself will never lead a person to faith. There's the witness of those people who through the ages have been so convinced of the truth of the resurrection that their lives have been shaped by the resurrection. There's the example of men and women who have been willing to die for their faith, the martyrs through the ages. There's the change in people's lives when they do meet Jesus. And there is the way, and this is probably the most important one, the way that God's word speaks to our minds and our hearts. So there's the messenger, there's the evidence, and then there's the act of faith. Faith often comes before experience, and that's the case here. You see, the young man says to the women, if you notice this, go, tell his disciples and Peter that he's going ahead of you to Galilee, and there you will see him, just as he told you. In other words, believe that Jesus has risen, even though you haven't seen him yet. Believe, do what I say, and then you will meet and see Jesus. There are those people who meet with Jesus in completely unexpected ways. They're minding their own business and suddenly God turns up and breaks in on their lives. We think of Saul on the road to Damascus. Saul was on his way to persecute Jesus' followers and the risen Jesus appears to him. I think of one man in the church where I served as an assistant minister far too many years ago. He came to church to support his wife because she was doing something special in that particular service. He had no spiritual interest at all. He wasn't sure whether he was going to come or not, and it was a last-minute decision. And while he was in the middle of that service, God met with him. Often when that happens, it can be because God is calling people, maybe they're going to have to go through a really tough time. And sometimes I think God in his grace gives people that initial real starting boost so that they can go through. And when they do go through those times, they know, yes, but I know he's there. That is quite dramatic, it's also quite unusual. Often it's the other way round. It's when we take a step of faith, even if we have not seen him, even if we are not completely 100% convinced that it is all true, that we then meet with the risen Jesus, and we then see him. We hear the word of God, 
we step out of our comfort zone and in obedience we throw our lives on him. The story is told about the man who fell off the edge of a cliff. As he was falling, he saw a tree that was sticking out. He grabbed hold of the tree and it held him. He looked down and there were the waves smashing on the rocks at the foot of the cliff. He looked up and there was a long way to the top. And so he called out at the top of his voice, Help! Is there anybody up there? And a voice came to him, and the voice said, Yes, let go of the tree, drop down, and I will catch you and lift you up. The man was silent for a moment or two, and then he called out a little bit quieter, Is there anybody else up there? The women, even though they have not seen Jesus, are told not quite in such a dramatic way, but they're told to take a step of faith. They're told to go and tell the disciples that Jesus is alive and that they're to go to Galilee. And when they get there, they will see him. In the Old Testament, God tells Moses to bring the people of Israel out of slavery in Egypt. And Moses, after quite a bit of complaining, says to God, what sign will you give me so that I know that you will go with me? And God says this, the sign will be this. When you have brought the people of Israel out of slavery, you will worship me on this mountain. In other words, Moses, trust me. Do it, and then you will discover that I am with you. That is why when Peter speaks to the people on the day of Pentecost and challenges them that they have rejected and crucified the one who is God's king, but that God has raised him from the dead, they say, what should we do? And Peter says, be baptized and you will receive the Holy Spirit. In other words, take a step of faith, be baptized. Or maybe for us, put aside time to read the Bible and pray. Meet together with God's people. Tell a friend you've become a follower of Jesus. And then you will meet with God. Please don't do this as a way of testing him. That's not a step of faith. That's an experiment. But do it as a response to him and what he has done. Jesus says, if you seek, knock and ask, you will find the door will be open to you and you will be heard. Following Jesus is like learning to swim or ride a bicycle. Someone can be beside us to help us, but in the end we have to take the step of faith and push off on our own. The danger is that we miss out so much because of fear. There was a rich young ruler who came to Jesus and he really wanted more of heaven. He wanted more of God. And he said, Jesus said to him, well, sell all you have, give to the poor, and come follow me. Jesus was inviting him to become one of the band of people who went around with him, one of his disciples. But the man was not able to do that. He couldn't let go of his riches. And it says he went away sad 
and he missed out on so much. Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome almost miss out on their fear because of their fear. Mark 16 verse 8 says, So they went out and fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. By the way, that is, most scholars will now say, the end of Mark's gospel. It ends on that particular note, which is a really big question mark. Why? But we know that they do not miss out in the end. Mary Magdalene is heartbroken. She cannot believe the story of the resurrection. And so she goes out into the garden to look for the body. Where is the body of Jesus? And Jesus, in his mercy and kindness, meets her. But that's another story. And the other Mary and Salome do, it seems from what the other Gospels, Matthew, Luke and John say, do decide to go and tell the disciples. And Jesus, in his mercy, meets them as they are on the way to see them. So please don't worry if you feel you've missed out because of fear, because Jesus is so gracious. And he comes and gives us another chance, another chance, another chance. This Easter we're called to be like the women, to hear the message of Easter that Jesus is risen, to consider the evidence and to step out in faith, in obedience and trust. And it's when we do that that we begin to encounter him and meet him in new ways. Maybe today, maybe tomorrow. Or maybe, maybe you may have to wait. Jesus here tells them to go to Galilee. Galilee was the place where it all began, where he called the disciples. Maybe we may have to go back to the beginning. Maybe we have to wait. But I do know this, that whether it is here or whether it is there, if we take that step of faith and trust him, we will meet him. We will see him. Alleluia. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia.